anything else out of this uh, this series here's what I hope you you take away is that this is not the church this is the church you you are the church um, I told you about this incredibly in- uncomfortable realization that I came to on my trip in October that I really had one sermon. And I I was a little depressed about that for a little while because I thought, you know, I've been preaching 30 years. It would be good if I had, you know, a couple. Then I thought, you know, Billy Graham really only had one, so that's pretty good company. So, um, And that one sermon really is three points. It was, you know, that God's got a plan for your life. And I mean, you believe that he does. And that you ought to fall in love with Jesus. And that you ought to help somebody else fall in love with Jesus. And so we kind of have not replaced but focused our byline that we, we talk about it. For years and years and years, it's been connect, grow, serve. And, and listen, those ideologies, and those are st- that's still very important to us. But I think we've refined it a little bit. I talked to you about uh, a couple weeks ago that the first thing was we discover purpose. Um, and... and that's one of the things I want this church to scream at the top of our lungs, that God's got a plan for your life. Well, I've, I've gone too far. I've broken my plan. Well, we serve a God who is able and more than able to give you a brand new one. And then last week we talked about developing passion. Can I just tell you, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that people whose lives have been redeemed ought to be passionate about it. I think people who've been set free by the cross of Christ, um, I, I, that's not something I want to be timid about. You with me? So we, we've talked about discovering purpose, developing passion, and today we're going to talk about loving people. So from this point forward, it's discover purpose, develop passion, love people. Discover purpose, develop passion, love people. And I'm not so sure that the loving people part isn't the most difficult part. Anyone in the room ever acted unlovable? Everybody but Donna. Everybody in the room but Donna. Is there someone in your life right now, in your life 
right now that's difficult to love? I didn't say you didn't love them. I'm just saying you got to work at it a little bit. I'm seeing nods, so I'm guessing you got a name in your head already. <laughs> no elbows. I was a youth pastor for a very, very, very long time, and, and a lot of times people would come to me and say, uh, man, I, I just don't know how you hang out with those teenagers all the time. I'm like, it's not the teenagers that give me grief. It's their parents. I, I can't tell you how many times I heard this. Well, you know, I, I, I know that uh, I, I rarely bring my student to, to, to you know, youth group. I, I know that they're, they're rarely there, and when I bring them, they're there late, and when I pick them up I pick them up early but we're we're going to find another church because they're not connecting okay uh, I, I can't tell you how many phone calls I got and come home from a, an incredible retreat or camp or mission trip or something and I get a phone call from an angry parent well my daughter got mooned listen you put 40 students in a bus somebody getting mooned Sorry, I didn't create the rules. That's just how it works. <laughs> so who in your life is difficult to love? Is it the Democrats? Is it the Republicans? Who is it? Who are you having a hard time loving? Hey, I, I need for, I hope that there's people all over the world going to hear this statement. You can disagree with somebody and still love them. When did that happen? When did the fact that I might not agree with you politically or philosophically or ideologically, that means I hate you. We can't, I don't know when that happened. Sometimes people are just difficult to love. Most of you know, many of you know, maybe you know, I don't know. I drove a school bus for about three years. And I'm just going to tell you. I had this one student on my middle school route. His name was Noah. And Noah was a handful. Noah wound up sitting right up here by me because Noah was, had a filthy mouth and, and would just, I mean, cuss up a storm in the seventh grade. I'm like, I didn't even know those words when I was in the seventh grade. <clears throat> but then you'd, part of, you'd have to love him because he was just so funny. He was the class clown. He was the bus clown. One day we were, we we're getting ready. We we're in the bus lane. We we're getting ready to pull away. And he says, Mr. Dwayne. I said, what, Noah? You feel that? I said, what? You, what? He goes, I felt the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I went, no, no, I, I didn't feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and, it, and I was having a hard time with him because he just... Uh, He's just giving me a lot of grief. He'd say something like that and then say just wildly inappropriate things as the girls were walking down the aisle. And uh, I was in the process of getting him removed from my bus because it was just too much. Man, here's what the, the Lord just dropped this little nugget. He's like, son, you got no idea what that kid's going home to. Why don't you try to be salt and light? I was like, So who in, who in your life is difficult to love? Got a name? Keep it in your head over the next few minutes. 
there's this there's this passage. We're going to talk about two passages of scripture today. One of them's a short one. One of them's a real long one. And I hope at the end of this few minutes that we have together, I want you to leave challenged. Because when I put it on paper, I was challenged to be more than talk when it comes to do we really love people? Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Uh Uh-oh, and then he added something. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how will people know that Christ has touched our life, touched your life? Because you come to church? Because you check in on Facebook that I'm at church today? I hope you do that, by the way. Is that how people are going to know? Because when, when you go to the Mexican restaurant after church, you're going you're gonna to pray over your meal, and you're going to make sure everybody around you hears you. Is that, is that how people are going to know? Because you, you got that brand new life point sticker in your back window. I hope you do, by the way. You got a couple left. Is that how you? Is, no. If you have love, one for another. In fact, you might want to write this down. A passionate pursuit of Christ, which is what we talked about last week, right? A passionate pursuit of Christ will result in a genuine love for people. Look back at that passage. Do you notice that when Jesus said that, that loving each other wasn't a suggestion, it wasn't an option, it, it wasn't, hey, if you get around to it, he said a new commandment. And oh, by the way, that struck me as odd because if you know anything about Jewish history, then there was over 600 commandments on their law books. And Jesus said, I'm giving you a brand new one. And you want to go, how did we miss that one? A brand new commandment. See, these guys that he was talking to had grown up in the church and they'd seen all the stuff and they'd gone to all the Sunday school classes and they'd done all of the stuff. And he's like, whoa, whoa but you're missing something. See, see, listen, if if we gather in this room and we throw our hands in the air and worship God and learn all of the scriptures and and are able to quote your pastor's sermon from Sunday but don't have a genuine love for people, it just doesn't mean very much. In fact, Paul said this in in Corinthians, if all your words, all all of your religion, if you don't have love, it's just a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It just doesn't mean very much. He said, love one another. And, and I, I, think, I think Jesus was very intentional there because it's, it's easy for to say, oh, we, we love the world. We love the world. We love the world and all of God's people in it. But sometimes there's that one. There's that one that we have a difficult time loving. And what we'd like to do is just push that aside and say, well, I love everybody else, but this one, you know, somebody else is going to have to love that one. Somebody else is going to have to love Noah. And what you might find 
is that God's placed you in the path of someone that's difficult to love because nobody else will. I, I just don't feel it, Dwayne. See, that's my problem with Hallmark movies. Love ain't got nothing to do with how you feel. Love is a choice. I've had couples sit in my office and say, we think we're splitting up because we fell out of love. No, you didn't. You didn't fall anywhere. You stopped. You stopped loving. So if we've got a choice to not love, we've got a choice to love, and that's what Jesus is saying. Just as I loved, Christ is our model. He said no to himself to say yes to loving you. And I'm going to tell you that that's our model. This greatest testimony you have that I have about work of Christ in my life is how we treat each other. I will, and I've told you this story. I don't care. I'm telling it again. It, it just makes sense. I was a youth pastor at a church not too far from here. My pastor and I went to Ryan's one, one Sunday night. And we, we struck up a conversation. His name was Doug Hendricks, and, and he would witness to that wall. And so we struck up a conversation with this waitress. And she said, can I just ask you a question? And, I, and both of us, yeah, of course. She said, if Christ does so much in the hearts of people, why do they come in here every Sunday afternoon after church and treat me like crap? We didn't have a good answer. Trent, you and Mikey can't use that word. I was quoting, yes, that was a direct quote. You see what I'm saying? What kind, of, what kind of testimony is that when we flood a restaurant with our church bulletin in our hands so we get our 10% off and treat people like a servant? As long as I'm pastor here, I'm going to, to the top of my lungs, encourage you to leave this building as the church and love people. So we're going to go through 1 John chapter 4, a, a significant portion of it. So I want you to listen to, it's, it's cool. Now when you read the gospel of John, all right, you have to understand that was, that was just a little while after Jesus left the planet. All right, so now, John's now over a, a church. The, the, the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were written significantly after the gospel of John. So there's this, he's, he's learned a little bit about people, and he's learned a little bit about church people. And here's what he had to say. Dear friends, this is 1st John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? Love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
Write this down. Listen to me. The most godly thing you can do is to share the love of God with another human being. What does it mean to be godly? Does it mean, you know, I got to make sure that, that, you know, I got the right haircut and that, you know, I, I, I wear the right clothes and I look the part? See, I think that's part of the problem, y'all. Is we're, we're pretty good at looking the part. Is that, is that what it means to be godly? Does it mean that, you know, I've, I've got all this stuff that I don't do, this list of things that I stay away from. The problem is that one of those things you're staying away from are people who need to know the love of God. Unless, if I want to be godly, it has nothing to do with my external appearance. It has nothing to do with how holy you think I am. If I want to be godly, I need to share the love of God with somebody else. In fact, if, if you had to summarize the work of Jesus on this planet in one word, there is no other word but love. You know, he, everywhere he went, he was feeding somebody or healing somebody or serving somebody or teaching somebody or dying for somebody. For God so what, I, what you and I have been tasked to do on this planet is to be an extension of that love to a lost and dying and hurting world. And oh, by the way, to each other. Verse 9 says this. For this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Listen, this is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen. If God is our model, this is what we must remember, that God's love is a sacrificial love. It cost him something. And I'm going to tell you that sometimes love might cost you something. It might cost you money. It might cost you time. It might cost you convenience. It might cost you some effort. Remember that person that it's hard to love? That person that just, just irritates you? You might have to get over that. I wonder, you know, we, we teach that Jesus was 100% human, 100% God. And how that wraps around our, I don't know, okay, that, that, it, because he's God, and if he could explain him, if I could explain God, he wouldn't be very much of a God. All right. I wonder if, I wonder if Jesus ever had that moment where he just got irritated with somebody. I wonder if when he said things like, "Where is your faith?" I wonder if he's getting irritated. I wonder if, if when he saw people that these disciples followed him everywhere he went and saw him heal the sick and raise the dead and do all these things and then a little storm starts brewing and they're freaking out and he goes, where's your faith? See, I'm, I'm thinking maybe, maybe he got a little irritated. I don't know. 
Because if it were you or me, we would go, what is wrong with you? Or if you were my wife, she would go, seriously? If, if you ever hear her with that tone here say, seriously, she's irritated. Might not be at you, but she's irritated. Could he be irritated with those guys? Maybe. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think the, the God part of Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him? Do you think so? Do you think he knew who was going to betray him? So wouldn't you think that in that moment he would pull him aside and go, listen, I've had enough of you. I know what's fixing to go down. I knew you got to do it, so just know, uh, I'm, seriously, what is wrong with you? You know what he did? You know what he did? He washed his feet. There's your model. There's your model for that person that irritates the daylights out of you that's hard to love. Maybe you need to serve them. Maybe you need to love them with a love that only can come from God. Is that convicting to anybody but me? I'm just curious. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if, listen to this, no one's ever seen God, but if, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. My youth pastor used to say, Dwayne, son, you're going to be the only Bible some people ever read. You might be the only God some people ever see. Write this down. God intends for his love to be shared. That's your task and that's mine, y'all. Listen to this, this discourse. This is, I'll start reading with verse 13, so just kind of hang with me. I, I just want you to hear John's heart as he's teaching the church what it means to love each other. And he says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Well, Dwayne, I can't, I can't love them. Yes, you can. You know why? Because Jesus lives in you. We've seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. We've seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son. We've experienced it, and now we're talking about it. We've experienced it, and now we're sharing it. If anyone, this is verse 15, acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. He's repeating himself. Do you know why? He's trying to get in our heads that if we love God, if we say we love God and hate somebody else, you're a liar. That's what he's getting ready to say. I got ahead of him. This is how love is made complete. Among us, so that we'll have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Jesus left this planet and left the job, the task of loving this world in your hands and in mine. 
We are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now listen, we love because he first loved us. In other words, the only way you're able to genuinely love like God loves is because he loved you first and lives in you. Whoever claims to have God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Listen. Oh. I think I think probably most of you know how I stand on things politically. I think most of you know how I how I feel about I think you know which side of the aisle I sit on. Having said that, I don't want you to listen to me. What's going to save our country is not a Senate seat. It's not who resides at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's revival. That's what our country needs, y'all. Well, I wish somebody prayed in. How about, how about we pray it in and then how about we share Jesus And how about we love it in? How about we show the world that there is a God who still changes lives, who still makes old things new. He still takes old lives and throw them away in exchange for a brand new one. How about we show that? (laughs) For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Where did we hear that word command earlier? Who said it? Jesus. Write this down. The greatest testimony of the activity of God in the life of a believer is his or her genuine love for others. You mean it's not their tithe record? Nope. Is that important? Of course it is. It's not their growth group attendance. It's important. Of course it is. The greatest activity, the greatest testimony of the activity of God in your life is when you love other people. In fact, I'd say it like this. Experiencing the love of Christ and keeping it to yourself is the opposite of love. In fact, it's selfish and hateful. So I'm going to give you six things in the time we've got left. Six things, very quickly. Six very practical ways that you can show genuine love for people. And oh, by the way, this is, this is my oldest son's phrase. It ain't rocket surgery. You're not going to hear anything brand new here. But I think if we'll apply these six Six very practical tools to our lives. Uh, and, and by the way, this, this, this isn't one of them. I'm making a supposition when I give you these, and let me, let me tell you what that supposition is, is that you're in love with Jesus. Discover purpose. Develop passion. Love uh, other people. Okay, so there, there's a reason we put it in that order because it's, it's hard for us to love people until we fall in love with Jesus. Okay, so that's the supposition. If you're here and you're not falling, you haven't fallen in love with Jesus, let's do that today. 
Here we go. All right. So I show genuine love for people by doing these six things. You only got five blanks. I added one. Don't judge me. Number one, praying for them. It's been proven scientifically and theologically that it's impossible to cuss somebody out while you're praying for them. I wonder if that person that has irritated you so much, I wonder if you've complained about them more than you've talked to Jesus about them. I wonder if you've lobbied for them to lose their job more than you've lobbied for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's what I'm saying. That person that is hard to love, how about you start talking to Jesus on their behalf? I promise you, if you'll do that, you'll, your perspective of who they are to you will change. But having said that, James told us that faith without works is dead. How many know you got to take it a step further than, than, than prayer? All right? Here's, here's something kind of silly. How about just simple, genuine acts of kindness? What would happen if we made it a part of our life that we just tried to do nice things for people? Can I tell you, I, I, I talk to enough people outside of the body of Christ, outside the church, and when you ask people who are not part of the body of Christ what they genuinely feel about Christian people, it's not nice things, y'all. And, and say what you want. That, that thought, that feeling came from somewhere. What, what if we... What if, now listen, we're not the biggest church in town, but what if just us, what if just us just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm turning that tide. I'm gonna, didn't we talk about kindness when we talked about being tasty? Yeah. yeah, didn't we talk about that? Yeah, I thought we did. Number three. So we're gonna pray for them, we're gonna show acts of kindness, and you gotta love yourself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as, right? Now, let me, let, let me pause real quick. I'm not talking about a narcissistic, I'm all that in a bag of chips, I'm kind of a big deal kind of love, right? That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But how many know that it's real hard for you to take care of somebody else unless you're taking care of you? It's hard for you to feed somebody else's soul if you're not feeding yours. Yeah? It's hard for you to hold somebody, somebody's arms up if you've not done some stuff to strengthen yourself. See, what we want to do, we want to love other people, but we want to abuse ourselves, and that's a, it's a dead-end street, y'all. Can I tell you how I know? Because I've been there. I've been there. Can I? I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to write a book. I don't know when. I just... I just started school back, so I don't know when, but I'm going to write a book. And here's what it's going to be called. How can I help you? Here's what it's about. How can I help you if my soul is dry? Would y'all buy that book? Okay. Praying for them, acts of kindness, loving myself. Listen, a healthy balance of grace and truth. 
I, I, honestly, I could spend all afternoon on this. I'm, I'm not going to. Look at Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came and, and was, was born into this world full of grace and truth. Let me, let me tell you what the difference is. How many of you remember the story where the woman was caught in adultery and they, they laid her at Jesus' feet and said, listen, uh, we got to stone her because that's what the law says. And, and Jesus didn't say a word. He kneels down and starts scratching in the sand and everybody wants to know what he was scratching. I got a good idea. I think he was writing names and dates of the other guys that had been by her house. Just a thought, I don't know. And all of a sudden, they, these, these guys start disappearing. And it's just her and Jesus. And, and she's crying and she's distraught. And, and he says, hold the phone, man. Um, those people that were accusing you, where are they now? They're gone. That's grace. Yeah. Truth is, when he looked at the Pharisees and the religious leaders and he said, you know what? You know what you are? You're a whitewashed tomb. You look good on the outside, but inside you're just full of hypocrisy and grossness. Jesus didn't say gross. That's my word. Grace and truth. And here's the problem. <laughs> we got to have both. Because you got somebody in your life that needs, a, needs some grace. Who's who, the world and their circumstances have beat them up. And they need somebody to come along them and say, listen, God's got a plan for your life. Let's fall in love with Jesus. Let's, let's lock arms and let's walk this journey together. And then you got some folks that need a good dose of truth. And withholding truth just because you think it's going to make somebody feel good isn't love. You got a friend who comes to you and says, listen, um, I'm, uh, I'm struggling with pornography and uh, I'm afraid my wife's going to find out. What are you going to say? It's going to be okay. It'll be okay. No, it's not okay. You need to suck it up. Get it fixed. Get some help. I'll help you get some help. Right? Grace truth I'm I'm of the opinion that we we've got a huge void in one of those areas sometimes listen I don't want to I would never offend you just for the sake of offending you but if I love you and I see you walking into a burning building it's not it's not love for me to just be quiet and let you walk in it Healthy balance of grace and truth. Number five, share the gospel. Nothing else, the most loving thing you can do. How many of you got a mortgage? What if somebody came along and paid off your mortgage? You'd shout, wouldn't you? What, would, you, would you get on Facebook? Would you tell everybody? Would you, you would not believe what just happened. Would you pick up your phone? Would you text your best friend if somebody came in and paid off your mortgage? Yes, you would. You'd go bananas. What if somebody took a sin debt that you couldn't pay and paid it off? Why are you going to be quiet about that? 
Share the gospel. There is no tension in this life that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't address. Period. Listen, we're going to do some things at our church this year. In a few weeks, we're going to have a, a, I don't, maybe a four-week series on, on the biblical way to handle your money. It's going to be very practical. And I promise you, we're not going to beat you up about tithes and offerings every week. How many know that the Bible talks about money more than just tithes and offerings? All right, all right, you, you with me so far? We're going to talk about some very practical things, but I want you to listen to me. The undergirding foundation of everything we talk about here is that God's got a plan for your life. You need to fall in love with Jesus. And, and you need to help somebody else fall in love with Jesus. The gospel is at the core of that entire, it's not up there. <laughs> that, the message of the gospel is what, yeah. silence is not always loving. I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody. I, under, I get that. And I don't, anybody not like confrontation? I don't either. I don't like confrontation. I, I don't like confrontation. I don't like feeling like I've offended somebody. Um, what if I know how to find eternal life? And I keep silent about it. That's not loving. Lastly, help get someone in an environment where life can't, change can happen. Well, my friends on drugs, get them to new life on Tuesday nights. My friends got trouble with their teenager. Get them to uplift on Wednesday night. You starting to see where I'm going with this? My friends feels, feels disconnected from God. How about you get them in this building on Sunday morning? How about you get them online on Sunday morning? I've heard people say... I. I struggle sharing my faith, and I get that. I, I, I really do, and I think that you can. There's things that you can do to help you with that. But here's here's what you can really do: you can get them in an environment where somebody is going to share the gospel. That's here, by the way. All right. I feel like being Matthew Robertson right now, and just say that that's what I got for you. That's what I got for you today. Love somebody, don't come. And, and let's let's leave this service today challenged, y'all. I, I, I wish I could. I wish I could draw you a picture of, of what it, what I want it to look like, and what I feel like God wants it to look like, just from our perspective. As you know, you guys are here. You guys are here. What if that that one thing is what distinguished us from every other church in town? They don't have a great building, but they sure do know how to love people. The preacher's a little goofy. <laughs> they sure do know how to love people. See what I'm saying? Discover purpose. Develop passion. Love people. What if that was just, what if everything we did this year concentrated on those three things? Can I tell you? We'd see people saved. We'd see people, we'd see families put back together. We'd see the chains of addiction break. 
I believe that. Can I? If I didn't believe it, I, I, I'd do something else, y'all. But I do. See, this is what I see in my head. I see some nine-year-old coming home. What'd you, what'd you learn in, at Life Kids today? a story about about the you know the Bible. Man, Miss Cindy, Miss Lori, Miss Bridget, they love me. They're already saying that by the way. <laughs> Just, this is infectious. It ought to be. So I'm I'm gonna pray that God what's infuses our church. even more so than now. And this is already, I told you, the most loving church I've ever been a part of. But, but what if what if God just infused this church with just a revival of the love of God and it just began to spill out of us everywhere we went? He'll, he'll pray that in and agree with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I am so thankful that I can love, not because I'm a good person, not because I got my act together. I can love because you first loved me. And God, I thank you that you have loved me and you've loved us all. So God, my prayer is that in this moment, God, you just infuse us with your love. God, make us contagiously loving. Help us treat people like Jesus treated people. Help us to love people like Jesus loved people. Help us to, wherever we go, to just love people. Give us a healthy balance of grace and truth. Help us share the the powerful message of the gospel. Jesus' name. Hey, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're here and you have never made a commitment to follow Jesus with the rest of your life, I want to pray for you. But here's what I, here's what you need to hear from me. We've made that process so difficult, and here's what it is. You're simply going to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, and that you've got sin in your life because you're a human being and you need forgiveness and you believe that the work of the cross was enough for God to be able to wipe away your sin and then Jesus proved it three days later by rising from the dead so here's what I'm going to ask you to do man if you've, if you've never committed your life to Christ in the last silent moment of this service challenge you to do just that. Surrender your life to Jesus. Experience His love in a brand new way. Father, God, we want to leave this place committed to receiving your love. Help us to do what John said, to experience and testify of the love of Christ. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Everybody said, 
Why don't you offer the Lord an ovation of praise? Amen. Amen. I want you to have a great week. Find somebody to love. Thank you for joining us online. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome afternoon. We'll see you next Sunday. Hey, pay attention on your social media and watching your, your email about Wednesday evening. God bless y'all.